0: everybody and thank you for joining me this is richard listens and this is the richard listens show i'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately without further ado i'm going to be inviting on shortly uh, my guest today co-host mr Darrell noel what's going on everybody how's everything going it's going well i love that your name rhymes like you like know? that i love
1: that you so know? You don't forget the middle name Darrell Montre noel Montre
0: noel, Montre noel. so it just rolls Okay. Right. Darrell Montre Noel. I'm I'm working on it. So Darrell is a performance <laughs> coach, peak and performance coach, strength conditioning, speed and agility, and he is co-hosting on the Real True Listen show to uh, attack our guests with a whole different angles of questions. <laughs> so we're going to have a counterpunch today. Um, and we thank you for all our followers and listeners. We are in studio today with director, actor extraordinaire and a jujitsu athlete who also uh, performed at the Pan Am Games. who'll share a little bit about that experience. We have uh, Mr. Yuri Rutman. What's up? What it is. Um, a brief intro on Mr. Rutman and he will um, correct me. He is uh, hailing from Chicago, Illinois uh, via Skokie. Lincolnwood, Lincolnwood.
2: Well, it's close enough. It's close enough. Yeah, I'm you not going to use that against you. It's like a neighboring <laughs> city, yeah. Uh, Lincolnwood, Illinois, yeah. What's well,
0: Skokie familiar? What's what's that known for? Why do I always hear of Skokie?
2: Uh, I don't know. Skokie was like the second place they used to bury you know, bodies with the mob <laughs> in Chicago. No, seriously, Lincolnwood was like the first, <laughs> and I think when they couldn't find any space in Lincolnwood, they just crossed over and went into Skokie. You
0: see. So I'm getting more and more about your character here. Okay. <laughs> the depth of your character yeah. is being revealed. So uh, Yuri Rutman uh, was born in the Kiev, Ukraine. He moved to uh, Israel as an infant, and then his parents brought him over to Chicago when he was three. He is the child of Holocaust survivors and a family of doctors, engineers, economists. And um, somehow broke through as a creative entrepreneur. Uh, he started writing when he was ten years old, and he did attend high school in Skokie. So that's you correct, see, yeah. see, I did do my research here. Okay, let's not dismiss Skokie. He went to Columbia College for film school for a month, and then he feel he needed more freedom in his movie making capacity. He has produced a few indie films, including Mister Id showing his passion for psychology in reference to Sigmund Freud. He's created a bunch of docu-series as an executive producer at Fremantle Media Spike TV, including Warsaw, Chicago, which you can find on Vimeo.com slash Yuri Ruttman. Uh, and he has also uh, started national commercials from LetGo.com and is directed by Craig Gillespie, who recently completed I, Tanya. Um and Friday night, fright night, Fr-
2: fright night. Yeah, the horror movie that confers. I told flag. you.
0: See, see, I love it. I love. I can get. I can get you angry in a second. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a capacity. It's repressed, man.
2: <laughs> you, you always get it. Out it's of our. Me. It's
0: our Russian. I can, ancestry. Huh? I don't know
2: what it is. I think it's just like
0: the winters without yeah it's steak maybe, or something
2: yeah it's like maybe too much vodka no food
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a shared dna i can um so today we're here to talk about um all the things that have brought you back to los angeles uh for this recent um period in your life to mm-hmm. continue directing and acting as well as your release of trained an 18 minute film which is now owned by Dot. TV TV thank you keep saying shortscom but shorts TV so we're gonna to talk today a little bit about your um, this film which we've been we've been sampling backstage here which touches on um, sexuality but also mental illness and different things that uh, experiences that people go through and often get marginalized or make it really difficult to be intimate and close and develop human relationships so we're going to hear about that we're gonna also share about what helps you to focus and maintain your peak performance mentality and relief stress so welcome and thank you for being in studio mr. Yuri Rutman
2: thank you very much it's great to be here one thing I want to point out you know the great thing about being here is I'm not in denial about being here I'm actually here that's so, true you know, I'm sitting in front of you there's a table I mean everything is you know this is it so if anyone asks me, yeah, it's it's all transparent. It's on the table. It's so. on the table.
0: I love it. And and, and, and I have to tell, you know, I have to tell you, Darrell, Yuri is an example of perseverance because he's been maintaining contact with me for the last year. And every time he sees a show promo or something for Richard Liz, mm-hmm. he'd be like, When am I coming on? Right. When are we getting out there? When are we talking about that? Okay. And he's followed up despite people not getting back to him, people you know not responding so you know that's a testament to when you really want to share your work and you remain committed and you don't take it personally mm-hmm. you know sometimes you got to be that squeaky wheel
1: yeah I recall the first time that we did the podcast with semi cops it took us about a year for me to actually come back on your show so I think I was in the same his, his same seat at one point <laughs> you know so
0: so, so you guys we, are both talking yeah. off stage like man yeah <laughs> Richard doesn't get back to me. No. <laughs> I,
2: I think, I think, yeah, I think there's probably like some kind of sociopathic element in not taking things personally, but right. you know, I don't, I am still pretty social, I think in, in the real world. But it, when I, when I have to kind of put on my land shark um, outfit and just, you know, keep pushing and pushing and pushing, I think sometimes doors open and a lot of times they don't, but it's okay. Yeah, you, know, it's, you just can roll with the punches. It's
1: a pretty unique art to that. To that aspect of being persistent, right? Without overdoing it or doing too much, and right. it, I think it's an art. Most people just say whatever effort, forget it, mm-hmm. you know. And then, then, with that, the door is closed. But if you continue to be persistent, you know, and push, push yourself into that realm you need to be, or feel you need to be in, those doors open. Like you know, we're here now.
2: Well, I personally, right. right? Well, I personally sometimes think like sometimes you could be pushing like doors, 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 pushing, kicking, you know, trying to, you know, climbing at the window. You know, backdoor basement. Yeah, it's not opening, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something else opens <laughs> up that's even better and bigger than what you may have even thought of. So, yes, it's my uh, experience. I for, yeah,
0: I had uh, lunch with a friend last week. This may seem like a non sequitur before we get to specific questions uh, for Mister Yuri Rutman, but he is a successful entrepreneur. Um, and he recommended a book from the eighties that got him going okay that um and somebody can look it up for me but the um you know it's it's one of these how to make it rich and i think the author is Shruli Blotnik. s-r-u-l-l-y Shruli, i believe um and and You know, so I had to get this because I was like, well, I know it's not, you know, and the pages are all kind of battered and it's, it's definitely like, it's just good to hold a paperback from the 1980s. You know, it's written differently. But what I really took away from at least the introductory part was, um, you know, the four, when they did a survey, I guess they followed over 30 years, a a group of people and they found out, you know, how many became millionaires and they tracked the similarities between them. And none of it was you know we always say it's like well it's who you know and things like that almost all of it was finding something you love being willing to do every single aspect of it so whether it's clean the floors take the trash um did you find it
1: it wouldn't pop up it uh, wouldn't pop up no, yeah no.
0: It's, it's it's that far off of the amazon yeah. uh, bookshelf but but we'll, we'll we'll share it on instagram when we get the right title yeah, I'll get but it still very relevant so pick something you love be willing to do every single aspect of it and, you know, and, and patience, they're willing to do it for a long period of time. They're not, they're not results based immediate. So to that, to your point, right, that you're just pounding away and following through because you're determined to be successful. Um, and, and there's a certain element to that um, with creativity.
2: Well, yeah, I think, I think, look, I think whether it's creativity or anything else in life, I think A lot of people, they just give up right at that point where they could have seen those openings happen, you know, and I think, I think that you look at high level athletes, you know, whether they're, you know, basketball players or, you know, baseball players or even, you know, MMA guys, you know, who are like training for like the UFC, I mean... I mean, they're just giving it all out. I mean, the the biggest champions in the world, I think, in anything, whether it's like sports or business, a lot of times, you know, these, these guys are willing to go not the extra mile, but the extra, you know, 100 miles. You know, they're willing to, you know, push themselves beyond any type of, you know, logic or what they might even, you know, read in a book and everything. I mean, all, all these guys, I think they have coaches, you know, they've got sports psychologists, you know, Other things, you know, recovery specialists, you know. But at the same time, I think that beyond that, they just say, you know what? I want to, I still want to keep pushing, pushing, Mm -hmm. pushing. And I think that's what kind of separates them. So I think, you know, on one side, yeah, I think there's, there is some truth where, you know, there is some multi generational, you know, wealth that's, you know, inherited and everything. But, you know, you look at aside from, you know, athletes, you look at like, A lot of like these like self-made startup guys recently in the tech world and, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, they're just coming out of nothing and they are just kind of using their brain and their grit to just push beyond, you know, boundaries. And they basically are creating magic. That's really what what I think it is. I think if you keep, you know, doing things, I mean, magic just happens. I mean, with, you know, with the film that, um, you know, I did trained, um, you know, when I was You know, I knew I wanted to make a short film because I had a very small time um, element to put it together with the cast and and the crew. And you know, I got a lot of you know opposition from people and people I know in the industry. Oh, you know, there's no there's no market for you know short movies. You know, I mean, who's going to care about a short movie? I mean, anyone can make a short movie. You know, people put short movies up on YouTube. Well, yeah, that's that's true, but I kind of had to think up outside the box a little bit. So once I made the film, I I realized, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna get, you know, a big studio to release it. So what's, you know, option B? And um, you know, getting it, you know, even in front of Shorts TV, which is, you know, um the main and official distributor for Oscar nominated movies and, you know, my movie unfortunately right now it was not nominated for an Oscar and it had absolutely no, you know, film festival screenings. The fact that I was able to get it under radar of, you know, the brass there and they were interested enough to jump on it and acquire it, and right now it's playing every week, you know, in the United States and, you know, Europe and, and so forth. I think that's like, for me, that's like a big accomplishment and stuff. But, it, I mean, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, there was like a lot of moving parts there and stuff, so...
0: So let's uh, talk about what what drives you or pushes you to be the best you can, and uh, or to perform at an elite level.
2: Well, I think, I think, <laughs> I think there is different. I think you know, for me, as as far as I was a, I remember you know, growing up in Chicago. Um, on one side, I always knew I wanted to be involved with. Um, you know film and you know filmmaking and television, which was really odd because you know I was growing up in a typical you know very typical dysfunctional russian jewish immigrant slash refugee family where the emphasis was on well you know you gotta be realistic and you know you gotta you know you gotta go to school for thirty years and you gotta get a real job and stuff and <laughs> and, and, and somehow i i don't know what it was i was always i had this really weird addiction to like to just, you know, TV and movie and just books and I, I don't know where that comes from, but, but probably a desire to escape all that
0: pressure and stress and realism. <laughs>
2: Pro- probably yeah, that was probably an escape. But you know, but right. it was a healthy escape. It wasn't like, you know, I was involved in anything illegal. Well, borrowing my neighbor's car when I was 15 doesn't count, but <laughs> we can't, we can't admit any
0: past crimes
2: here. <laughs> so, so anyways, um, yeah, but at the same time it was, it was strange cause I remember going back like in high school, I remember like, you know, when I was like a freshman in high school, I started reading like, like. Motivational books and inspirational books. I don't know why. You know, I started reading like Anthony Robert, uh, Anthony Robbins, and you know a lot of other things. And I was just always looking, you know, for answers because I wasn't getting those answers. Um, you know, at home, I was definitely not getting those answers in school. Uh, maybe some, you know, bruises from getting into fights once in a while, but um, so I was always, you know, searching for things that would propel me and inspire me to you know to keep going and everything and I think aside from books I mean I got into you know martial arts really young in life I mean I started I think like taekwondo when I was like seven and when I was in high school I remember I was watching you know I was always like a fan of you know like you know the rocky movies and even you know Jean-Claude Van Damme and I remember like one time I was watching his one of his first movies Kickboxer where he was doing this thing called Muay Thai and I'm like what's Muay Thai I mean you couldn't find Muay Thai in Chicago and I was like going through the yellow pages and I found one school it was probably one of the first MMA schools like in the country it was called the Duggerberg Academy and I started doing like you know Muay Thai so I think for me in terms of um, what keeps me at a peak level, I think, are a combination of things. Number one, um, it's just my fire in my belly where I don't get complacent with anything. And when I catch myself doing it, I try to, you know, wake up and do something, you know, different to kind of propel me to a different level. Uh, two, it's just my desire to succeed in, in my passion uh, right now. Um, three, I utilize. You know, I, tra- I still train a little Muay Thai. I train more Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when I have a chance. So that kind of keeps me going. Um, you know, for me, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's, it's great for the mind because it's not only a physical workout. It's basically like playing chess. You know, there's thousands of moves. You'll never fully, I think, you know, learn everything. There's always new moves to relearn. So it rewires parts of your brain. I, th- I feel like it does some kind of like, I think they call it brain plasticity where you can like... Uh, Keep banging the mic. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's like mic
0: plasticity. I don't know.
2: It's maybe it's like some <laughs> you know undiagnosed nervous twitch or something. I don't know. So you know, I do that. I do. Um, in in the last six months, I started doing a lot of uh, also mindful uh, meditation type exercises. I noticed that really helps you know clear the mind. Uh, in terms of other things or performance, I mean, I I try to eat as clean as I can. You know, once in a while, I have to go get my in and out burger, or, you know whatever but, <laughs> but for the most part I try to eat clean. I try to eat foods that aren't like you know inflammatory to the body. Uh, I take like a lot of supplements. I'm like a walking vitamin shop. You know, I take 40, 50, 60 different supplements every day, f- you know, for you know, for concentration and and, and different things. So so and, and 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 the last thing that also keeps me going, you know, ever you know aside from motivation i was always studying the connection personally between you know mind body you know spirit not from a religious aspect but just from like you know what drives people to do what they do and do it positively so i've always you know you know studied different you know spiritual paths and i'm always um you know i'm involved with different things right now that also keep me you know grounded but at the same time to kind of motivate me when i feel the the sky is falling, and I need that you know extra extra yeah. boost when green tea and coffee doesn't work yeah mm. and I appreciate yes. that when
0: we when we were talking offline prior to the show you were like hey well here's here's my my you know overall you know focus vision for this week you know and mm. here and here's how I'm trying to conceptualize things and so um I appreciated that even in our dialogue uh is do you have a favorite quote a coach or a mentor? I know you've mentioned um jiu-jitsu uh is it a sensei is it or a coach who pushed you to go to the pan ams i mean that that i could i remember when i heard about that originally like that was really pushing out of your comfort zone
2: yeah that was probably one of the craziest craziest things i've done i mean you know most people when they start training brazilian jiu-jitsu you know i mean you know there's belt rankings you know white belt blue belt purple belt brown belt black belt and people who want to usually compete in you know jiu-jitsu at the white belt level, for example, you know, they start doing very small local tournaments and everything. And, you know, now I was a white belt, I started jujitsu actually in Chicago. And then I started training, you know, here in Los Angeles with, uh, Cabrinha. And I think for me, even, I think I wasn't really even training jujitsu initially for jujitsu. I was training because it was some of the coolest and most down to earth people, you know, I, I met at the gym. You know, on one side, you know, you've got these guys who are, like, pretty much killers. On the other side, you know, I made some really good friends Mm -hmm. because of that. Um, So for me, I never even thought about competing. I was just kind of doing it, like, as a weekend warrior and everything. And then a couple years ago, I just started training a little more and a little more, and I got my blue belt, and I started training more, and I said, hmm, maybe I should give this a shot. So instead of, you know, trying little small local you know, tournaments to prepare. I just jumped in right into the Pan Ams, which is one of the biggest, you know, jiu-jitsu tournaments in the world. And I mean, I didn't do so great, but I did great from the fact that it was, it was fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, and even though I didn't really get what I thought I would get out of it, it was, it was a great experience and it was great because my, you know, coach Cobrinha, he was cornering me during my match and stuff. And, you know afterwards it wasn't you know it, it the first question he asked me was, "Did you have fun and i was like hey i had I just had the best time of my life and everything you know so since then i you know i still have been training I haven't been training as much but but yeah it was it was it was a great experience, and i would you know if I have some time down the road i would I would do it again and everything
0: so he broke the pressure on winning as a sole view of metric of success.
2: Well, yeah, I think, I think one of like, for example, like uh, in terms, I mean, I've got a lot of, you know, you know, people that I follow and, you know, you know, uh, life coaches, you, <laughs> um, diff, diff, different, different books I read on, on, you know, mental performance, um, in terms of, for example, you know, motivation in terms of like sports performance, I think, you know, one of the, the, the things that I really love about, you know, his coaching and going to his gym, for example, is that he emphasizes, um, you know, about you know having fun. You know, mm-hmm. you Good know, fun. win or lose. You know, I mean, we're we're all champions the second we step on the mat and we actually try to, you know, take that first step and that effort and everything. And I think that applies to you know, you know, to everything in life. I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, people sit there and they. You know, when they don't get what they want or when they lose, they just sit there, you know, endlessly and they just beat themselves up and they criticize themselves and they just, you know, they just, and, and instead of just saying, you know what, I just had a lot of fun next, you know, wipe yourself off, you know, dust yourself, not wipe yourself, dust yourself off and try again, so to speak. So right. Right. You yeah.
1: know, I, I deal with a lot of professional athletes and a lot of the times they lose that spark because it's not fun anymore. You know, so I, I'm a firm believer in, in figuring out how to have fun again and be passionate about it, or don't do it at all because you're wasting your time. How and do it. you
0: keep it fun when they come in to see you, Darrell? How do I keep
1: it fun? Yeah. Keep a loose environment, you know, understand who I'm dealing with and kind of indulge into what he wants and not what I want. You know, that, So that's one of the biggest things, understand them mentally, physically, and give him his, his needs in a loose environment. And, and, you know, things won't feel as tense. So a lot of times – Guys come to the gym just because they want to get away from home, you know, <laughs> dealing with relationships, wives, kids, whatever the case may be, you know, guys just want to kind of get away and release themselves. So um, who am I to make you feel like you, you're you coming to do something strenuous or something that you need to do, you know, make it a fun environment. We all can have fun, but at the same time, let's get better. Um, it's something that you mentioned earlier, um, digging into your passion, it, it it's, it seems weird to someone looking outside in, but if you're if you feel so passionate about it, you know, you will chase it with with everything you have. And and it that's how I did when I began training, and it was more so from a perspective of understanding everything about it from a physical standpoint, a, a psychological standpoint, everything that I I needed to know, I indulged myself into it. And most people really won't understand it unless you you have something that you're passionate about or you're intrinsically motivated about it. You know, since no one outside could tell me, you know, to stop doing what I was doing because it was me, it was upon myself to kind of dive in and be as great as I wanted to be.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of my work with athletes, when when you employ motivational interviewing and you look at the um, uh, trans theoretical model of change, you know, uh, where it's like you know pre-contemplation contemplation you know action and then change it takes time mm-hmm. um, people may not even be at a stage where they're thinking about changing something of course and so if you try and confront them or push them uh, w- with a model of uh, you know without allowing them the free will to think about do they even want to change or are they ready to uh, uh, do they want to commit further? You know it, what? 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 You know they always say, uh, "Find your why." Right? Why are you committing to mm-hmm. going to visit a peak performance coach or getting up super early in the morning and going for runs and pushing yourself to be more uncomfortable right. if it doesn't seem fun or exciting?
1: And and that's why I believe the mental capacity aspect is a performance. It's much deeper too, much deeper than when you're getting in the gym and working out because the person has to be mentally motivated to get there first yeah and I like what you said
0: <laughs> Darrell which is some of that capacity comes from freedom and safety I gotta I'm going to the gym because it takes pressure off in one way mm-hmm. I enjoy connecting with my coach I feel a relationship where he takes stress off and then I may if I trust you yes sir now I'm gonna let you push me further because mm-hmm. my capacity my resilience may be built up even further of course so you know the intricacies of this in a in a coach and, and, and having that relationship and rapport is, is really key. But in talking with Yuri, you know, because we're talking I mean, you are an athlete, but you're you're translating this into film. So the difference is we're not talking about football or basketball for like when you're making a particular film trained, right? You had to get into the character, you gotta get into the topic. So maybe talk to me about you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm a psychologist. What what was the inspiration for this film? And you're going to correct me if I say it wrong. I'm going to try it, right? And the phenomenon of siderodromophilia.
2: Citerodrom- siderodromophilia. <laughs> say that three times in a row really fast. I dare you.
0: Siderodromophilia, siderodromophilia, siderodromophilia. Wow. Ooh.
2: Wow, wow. I, you could have played my part, but I don't I don't know if that would have worked back at in your domestic situation. I don't think I can say it once.
0: I can't so, say it so, once. So what I mean, what led you to this, right? I mean, is this your own personal knowledge and experience with 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 mental health, uh, in the family or in the community? Or what I mean, what drew you um to you know, experiences with uh, you know, you know, say sexual deviance or with uh, challenges people have in in their intimate lives and relationships.
2: Well, I think I think well. First of all, I think what happened was I was um, a few years ago. I was um, I was in Chicago and I was visiting family, and I was on a train, and I was just kind of looking out the window, and I remembered the last scene in Risky Business. With Tom Cruise and Rebecca de Mornay where they end up making love on a Chicago train and I started asking myself if people actually do that or into that beyond just a movie and then I remembered like I don't know 15 20 years ago David Cronenberg had this movie that he did called crash It's a bunch a bunch of people they literally could only get turned on if they crashed their cars into each other. So, yeah, I, I don't think it would be good for your car insurance to do that. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> That's intense. But um, I, uh, so I started doing a little research, and I was just curious if there was literally something like that out there. Because there's like a lot of, I don't know if you want to call them, you know, deviancies, because deviancies, are, I, I feel like, are more like, borderline criminal i think are more what you want to refer to them more as like there's like a lot of different philias out there there's a lot of people who are like into a lot of different things so you know some people are are into you know you know wearing you know furry animal outfits
0: the psychology (laughs) term that defines this as relationship to the norm right so it seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems some people go to the gym others may run but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real-time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. InJitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to InJitsu.com slash RichardListens to get your first class for free. That's injitsucom dot slash Richard listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state of the art mouthguards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash RichardListens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Your experience, you know, is, well, what, yeah, what's keyed this into people's experience and how does it interfere with their, they 're functioning um, so you're, but your curiosity found yourself in this phenomenon
2: right, so I basically realized that there's this condition where people cannot get turned on unless they 're on or around moving trains, and I did a little you know Google research to make sure no one 's ever made a film or a television show mm-hmm. about this. So my motivation for this really was, yeah, on one side it was creative, but on the other side I wanted to do something, you know, original that stood out. I didn't want to, you know, make another short movie about two guys sitting at a coffee shop, you know, complaining about their wives and girlfriends and everything. (laughs) Right. So digging deeper into this, I needed to, you know, ask myself, okay, so here's a concept, you know, how do I write a script Around this concept, that's interesting, that's deep, that explores both one person who suffers from this condition and my character who doesn't suffer from this condition, and he's just trying to, you know, attempt to normalize his partner. And um, I basically—that's kind of what, where you know, where uh, where the seed of it was. I I decided to make this this film where you know on one side there's this woman. Um, The character, Emma, who's played by Jenny D'Amico, and she's completely tortured, regardless of what I do, Um, you know, nothing is working. And she, and she, you know, she's aware that she has this problem, and I'm doing whatever I can to the point where I'm even in therapy myself in the movies, you know seeing a psychiatrist in the film and stuff to see if I could get some clarity on what's going on
0: Williams type psychiatrist to meet you (laughs) in the park. (laughs) I I, I like that tribute.
2: Yeah. I don't think we had a, well, we didn't have a budget to like rent out like a big medical office or something. So I'm like, Hey, you know, let's do something interesting. And I, there's a reason it was in the park. If for people who end up watching the movie, you, you know, there's some hints on why we did it in the park. Um, so, so for me, it was really about, you know, there's, you know, when you were asking about, you know, relationships and mental health, yes, on one side, you have someone who is suffering, you know, from this philia, but at the same time, it's so grinding into their mental health and into their soul mm-hmm. that it's it's just, you know, it's, it's turning them into, it's like completely disconnecting them from their, you know, center. And on the other side, you have my character who is trying to be old school, who's trying to practice, you know, unconditional love, who's trying to kind of, you know, be in the picture no matter what. And I think part of that also had to do with the fact that, you know, we live in a society right now that's just such a quick fix when it comes to either you know, attempted romances, or if something's not working out, you know, you're on the internet and, you know, someone's always posting, you know, 10 reasons it's time to break up with your wife or your <laughs> boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're, you know, I think society is so bombarded constantly mm-hmm. with, with reasons rather than just to kind of simplify things where, you know if you're with someone whether they have issues or they're not yeah it's your personal choice but if you're going to be with them you know tr- you know try to try to have that grit try to have that peak performance of try course. to yeah. try to understand that yeah it's not going to be easy but if you're going to be with someone um, you know, don't do it with any conditions, you know, don't do it with any agendas, do it because you want to do it regardless. Well, of- it's,
0: it is true what you're pointing to the trend. I do have more and more people come to my office that have met online or via social dating sites and that <laughs> they've been connected. I mean, maybe they've met, but their amount of dialogue face to face or experience in person is very minimal. And therefore, it throws off the simplest habit, let alone if somebody struggled with depression, anxiety. I mean, what percentage of the population has been through something? Um, and so the first time you get any wind of a flaw, mm-hmm. how do you handle that? Are we equipped to handle the, the, the malfunctions? You know, last night my we tried to have a conference call that lead up to the show and my iPhone wouldn't turn off. I was like, there was no there was no language for like your iPhone not working. Like like it entered into this whole spiral for an hour or two of like <laughs> right? What, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. How would you function? So that's how we're becoming with relationships, I think, where we're where these trends are occurring. So I mean, Darrell, you talk about, you know, building up relationships and yes, and, and working with people from an early age and seeing them reach their goals. Um how do you counteract that in the sports environment?
1: Um, so one of the biggest things we do, we try to make everything conscious, a conscious act, a conscience, conscious act of several things and connecting components, making everything conscious. So a question that I wanted to ask Yuri, um, so with, with these people with these disorders, is it conscious? Do they know that they're dealing with these things? And um, how would you, if so – how would you get these guys to kind of understand that this is something that they shouldn't be doing
2: if, well, I think here, here, here's the need thing. Help with. Well, yeah, I, I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I, I you know, I, I don't have, I don't have, i never had a lot of, you know, patience for school. And I respect people like yourself who who, 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 who took it all the way. It's an addiction. I have, a, I got to stop already. But I, wow. but I think, but, but I think, you know, I think, look, I think, you know, people, I think anything in life, whether it's this condition or anything else, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're out there, they're experimenting with things or trying to, you know, figure out, you know, who they are. I think if people are doing things and it's not, you know, hurting them or getting them, you know, arrested, mm-hmm. then there's a certain level or there's certain boundaries in place. I think on the flip side, if you're involved or you have like these, you know, conditions or these, you know, filias, or anything else, um, that's some, somehow becomes like an addiction or starts taking over your life. Then I think it's no different than, you know, any other addiction. And I think, you know, Richard, I think maybe, you know, you can kind of jump on this. I mean, what's the fine line between, you know things like certain people having philias versus become you know dysfunctional because of them or you know on an on an addiction level
0: what's the final line between being a philia and being an addiction
2: at at what point is the, at what point is one thing okay and at at what point is it not okay anymore
0: i mean again the, the definition of anything usually lies with the person right. like so you know if the character in your film if that's an aspect of their own personal experience and sometimes i'm not sure about sideromophilia Siderodromophilia. Right.
2: So, i so, still can't say right. it jesus yeah
0: exactly so but 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 without you know without making jest of it you know but usually in my work look some things get cued in the brain from a trauma or something mm-hmm. highly activating at, at a young age, right? Some form of arousal, um, that can't be duplicated. And that can be, that can really impair or disrupt your, your personal relationships. If you were in a committed relationship and you couldn't maintain any kind of closeness or excitement, it could cause, like you're saying, even if it doesn't have to be a blog, people could feel rejected, hurt, shut down, frustrated. Right. Um, so you know, it's addictive if, you know, you're pursuing it and you, um, don't see it as problematic and aren't able to look at, um, you know, it, it, if there's a trauma, some sort of therapy or look at other ways of feeling sensation or arousal in in other ways, building up connection and other, in other means in life. Um, for some people they may own their philias if their, their experiences (laughs) that are different or unique. And um, that may be what they personally find original and that enhance them. And they may seek out others who have similar interests. So it's not for, you know, when anyone judges anything, I know the, the DSM four and five started to think they put in there an extra, uh, classification around, uh, sexual, uh, disorders. So, You know, making it more conscious and aware, I think being open that that people are having these experiences and and allowing people to find a safe place to discuss and get support around it and healing, I think is important, especially if relationships are being broken down and impaired because of this, Uh, on the other hand, and we want to reduce shame. We don't want people to feel that their um, interests have to be so heteronormative that they're completely shut down
1: and uh, and another thing that i could add to this um i think it would be if if someone is talking to you about something it's all about their approach how they say things if they're if they come at you with projection of their voice and they're beating down to you now nine, nine times out of ten the person isn't going to listen you know and i can admit that myself with someone and if their approach is all wrong i'm Within the first five or ten seconds, I'm turning yeah. them off. And I know. think the
0: the the short points that even in a relationship, if yeah. you're so angry and frustrated when the person is feeling ashamed, of course, and hurt, then it's going to be hard to maintain mm-hmm. the relationship. Uh, but but if you're willing to do couples work, or if a person can can feel support around, um, hey, this is what they're into, but it's also something that they know they'd like to change. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight if something is formed as an adult uh, or been kind of hardwired into your experience. Um, but, uh, you know, it's also entertainment and it's also <laughs> film. And and some of these things we see in in, in films point to, like, uh, the temporary excitement of it. I mean, I just got done watching. Uh, this, it's an offshoot of The Good Wife. They have The Good Fight on CBS mm-hmm. All Access. Okay. And the main character, uh, he's an attorney. Well, he winds up being disbarred, but they put, like... <laughs> Think the equivalent of like an his office is like an opium dead. Like literally it's like a bed and the guy has like ketamine lollipops or something like that. I mean it's it's a little bit odd and he's completely eccentric and crazy and they show that, but they also show like he's existing in this realm. Like not everybody is a is an attorney, you know, who's just got uh, you know, clean organized files and you know. It's all as a punch clock. So, I ho-
2: well, I hope I hope the lollipops are at least cherry flavored. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so Yuri, let's get back into mm-hmm. your your training of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, I train professional athletes, mm-hmm. um, but one thing I always wanted to know was with with people from different walks of life, how does that training mentally or physically prepare you to lock in to a role or to in f- help you focus on and thrusting into um, something pertaining to. Um, Writing or producing and things like that.
2: Well, I think I think like in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's like a real time wake up call that mm-hmm. you're not always going to win, and a lot of times you're going to lose. And when I say lose, it's more about like you know being you know submitted or tapped yes, or sir. or choked or, or or what have you. I mean, you know, sometimes you know when I'm at the gym, for example, and I'll tell you how this correlates to you know real life experience. Sometimes you know I'm at the gym and I end up partnering with. With, um, with, with a woman Mm -hmm. and, you know, she's, uh, you know, I see someone who's, you know, half my size, half my weight and I'm thinking, okay, I gotta be very respectful. I gotta, you know, I gotta kind of take it easy on them. And next thing I know, you know, they're, they're climbing on my back and close to, you know, putting me to sleep. And, And, and I think how that applies, you know, in, in, in real life is, is that, you know, sometimes, you know, what do we see? It's an illusion. Of course. And we're now we're now always gonna get, get something as a result of what we see or what we, you know, envision. So I think, you know, from um, you know, how how martial arts I think, whether it's jujitsu or people, you know, practicing other martial arts, I think how that translates into real life is 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 like anything else. As long as they take what they want. I'm sorry, as long as they take what they learn in the gym and carry it over into like a day-to-day, you know, lifestyle, because, you know, a lot of times, whether it's, you know, martial arts or, you know, you know, self-help motivation seminars or, you know, spiritual paths, you know, a lot of times people get all hyped up and excited while they're practicing or they're training or they're listening to something. But the second they step out the door, the way they, you know, handle, you know, things in life or the sometimes even the way they, you know handle people right. it's not always you know up up to par in the level of you know respect and you know human dignity and things like that so i think i think with with how i for example apply you know when i train and into the real world or how it applies in the in the film business it, you know as i said i mean i'm not you know at that level of being like an a-list you know movie star or a-list director just yet and it's okay i've accepted that of course. but as long as i keep you know um, you know, going from like slowly inching from, you know, like a white belt to like a three stripe white belt to a blue belt, Mm -hmm. like the movie business and then the purple belt and so forth, then that's kind of how I look at it and everything.
1: Yeah. And it it goes back to, um, something that I always talk to my clients about being conscious, being consistent. And then if you master or or are consistent doing both of those things, you know, your path will continue to build and grow. Um, I've I've written a book by um, Robert Green, the laws of human Ma- human nature, uh-huh. you know, and one of the laws is um, the law of repetition creates mastery and, and create repetitive habits. Based. I mean, what you just said is it's one way to focus and stay locked in on something. The problem with a lot of people that I know that don't do something consistently. And then when you do don't do something consistently, you develop negative habit habits. And with that, you go, you begin to go backwards, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, this leads to the next question. So what is, what is your routine, your daily routine, um, as well as the routine that you have when you're going, you know, when you lock locking and going set?
2: Well, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. You're saying that cause I'm kind of fresh off set from uh, something I did two weeks ago and mm-hmm. we'll kind of reference that in a second. But um, normally whenever I wake up, the first thing that I do is some kind of a meditation. Yes, it sir. could be, Different types of meditation, but I but I need to do something that kind of calms me down, mm-hmm. kind of clears my head, and of course I still need to you know follow up with um with a combination of, you know coffee, green tea, maca, cacao, and a bunch of other things I put into like this like, of course you know, <laughs> natural. So first thing I do is I I really try to get into like the zone. Now that always doesn't help because sometimes you know out of you know left field something might be thrown your way. And Mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is kind of, you know, you're focused more on that and you get all hyped up. But I noticed that it's still better to kind of just, you know, have a clear mind, you know, you know, first thing, you know, first thing in the morning and everything. And once I do my meditations, you know, I'll, um I'll have something to eat and I'll, you know, go to the gym and, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm doing, I'm going to, you know, doing weights or cardio or jujitsu or whatever. And then I, uh, I start, you know, the rest of my day, I just noticed that whenever I, I I work out in the morning Mm -hmm. and I do some kind of workout, um, it really helps to, um, unblock me even physically and, you know, you know, the the blood rush to the brain and of helps course. you, you know, yeah. focus of and course. stuff. I know it's like I'm a completely different like human being during the day. Um, in terms of, um, in terms of set and so forth. Well, for, for, for this film trained, I, I don't know. I would really, I mean, I did a couple, you know, we put this whole film together literally like in two weeks. So it was a matter of where I connected with my DP and other producer, Scott Drucker. And he's like, listen, man, I'm going on a ski trip in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You got to, You got to write a script, Mm. you got to cast it, and you got to put this thing together. And we're going to make this movie in two weeks, or I I can't do it. So somehow I was able to do it. And most actresses in Chicago that wanted to do the film, once they read the script, are like, I'm not doing this film. There's no way I'm (laughs) going to do this film. And I was lucky that I found. It's a lot
0: of vulnerability and a lot of comfortability with yourself.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, there's. So I was lucky that I found Jenny because she. You know, not only was she very professional, I mean, she did a lot of other shorts and features in Chicago and she was just more, you know, open to doing these kind of things. So
0: what motivated her? Do you think
2: she just loved it? I mean, I think she just loved it. And when I asked her, look, I mean, you know, I, and, and there was still a level of, you know, high degree of professionalism because, you know, I still had to have certain, you know, releases and, right. you know, whatever. But I want I ask her, listen, I how far are you willing to go to make this real? She goes, look you know, I love the story. This is the most original thing I've ever done. Uh, I trust you. Let's just go with the flow and stuff. And I think that translated into the, you know, Mm -hmm. on screen. Cause I think, you know, people who watch the film and they watch, you know, they watch, you know, our, our love scenes, they're like, are you guys, are you sure you weren't like a real couple in real life? And I'm like, no, we just, you know, we just had a certain level of trust and understanding. How did you build
0: that trust? Did you know her
2: prior? Never, I, I literally. She responded to some casting calls. She was one of, you know, many people, and I thought, oh, great, another person. She's going to read the script. She's going to say no, and she's gonna like, no, I, I want to do this. And then we um, we got together a few times for you know rehearsals, and I don't know. We just had like this. We just had a vibe. I can't explain it. You know, it's it's like that with anything else in it just life. Ha- it just happens. You know, sometimes you know, like you could just like force it. You could do this. You could do that. But we just had like this natural like professional and personal chemistry that allow us to do, you know, what we did. Of course, you know, for me doing these kind of things, I mean, I've never, you know, done love scenes. I mean, maybe once or twice in my personal life, but I mean, (laughs) but I mean, but in terms of, you know, on camera, I, I, it was just like, you know, I was directing, I was acting. I mean, it it was, it was very difficult to do these things, scenes because they were choreographed. Mm -hmm. So sometimes... You know, people ask me, oh, you know, did you have fun doing that? It, no, it wasn't fun. <laughs> it was not fun. Fun was the editing. Fun was, you know, adding the music. Fun was writing the script. Yeah,
0: you have a great taste for music. Oh, thank you. Spanish guitar, apparently.
2: Oh, uh, it was, yeah, anything I could get through Creative Commons mm. <laughs> from my budget. Right. But but in terms of sets, you know, it's interesting because two weeks ago I actually um, shot a guest star episode on uh, Chicago PD. Okay. So, great show. Yeah, it was a great show. So Are you it, a good guy or a bad guy? I can't say yet because because <laughs> I wrote a I signed something where I can't talk about my character mm-hmm. or even post any like social media pictures until the episode airs so i have okay. to i have to honor and respect you know nbc and dick respect. wolf productions and, respect
0: it but uh, i want wor- to I w- I work
2: i want to work i want to be hired shadow again. Is, your <laughs> shadow is
0: pointing towards mob bodies and skokie so <laughs> <It was not> <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yeah right no so so the interesting thing is so you know with that when you ask me you know how how do i perform for yes, that sir? instead well i'm going to be honest with you i couldn't sleep the night before before that, I mean, I even remember when I did the Pan Am's, you know, I, I went down to like Irvine. I even got like a hotel room so I could be there instead of driving from LA. I mm-hmm. couldn't sleep that night either. So I think that, you know, personally, me, I admit I probably have some sort of, you know, performance anxiety when, mm-hmm. you know, it's in, common in, for
0: a lot of athletes before a big game. And
2: and for me, I had horrible performance anxiety for this, uh, you know, for this, for this, uh, you know, for Chicago PD. So I maybe slept an hour or two. I don't know how I did it. I just, you know, overdosed on a bunch of green tea and caffeine and, you know, Bing energy drink that I had shipped from Amazon like two days before. Um, and I got to the set and all of a sudden I just, I was just chill. I started doing mm-hmm. like mindful meditation. I started doing like some belly breathing. Uh, I started doing like this, um, it's called Ujjayi breathing. It's like this yoga breathing where you're like kind of breathing through your like uh diaphragm and, and what have you. And that calmed me down. And the interesting thing was, you know, here I am on this set, you know, there's like a crew of like a hundred, you know, the stars of the show are in the same van as me going from, um, you know, from the, from, uh, from base camp to, to the set. And I was the first, I was like the first scene of the day. So I'm thinking, okay, um uh, you know how's this gonna happen because it, it's been a while since I've done something like this because you know I've, I went from like a gor- little gorilla film to mm-hmm. this huge you know NBC production and I'm thinking but for some reason it, it, it was all cool I mean the cast was very nice and um and we started doing rehearsals first so that was cool and I did my scene with the with the star of the show uh Patrick or Patty Pfluger and from the first rehearsal he just kind of gave me a fist bump and he's like awesome bro and that just kind of calmed me down and then we kind of did like probably a bunch of other takes and you know the director was there and they, he was like you know that's really good so the more so 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 they were my in a way they, yeah, were, my so, they so, were my coaches they were my coaches other day.
0: than trusting bing energy it sounds like trusting your your performance routines once you get in to the arena trusting some of the techniques you've applied from jujitsu to your performance, uh, and acting from breathing to meditation, mm-hmm. um, might be able to help, uh, reduce some of that arousal. Um, I know, you know, we have to wrap up soon. We want to hear more about where people can reach you. want to hear more about, uh, what you'll be doing, uh, in this, uh, current stint in Los Angeles. Um, it's now home, correct? Correct. Um, so please well, I mean- tell people how to find you and, and, uh, what you'd like to share.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, if people want to ha- have more information on how to watch Train, I mean, it's on Shorts TV, but all, most of the press, you know, Shorts TV, it's in 33 million homes on cable in the United States and in Europe. But people can follow my movie Trained at facebook.com backslash Train Kiss, which is very easy to remember. Uh, I'm on Instagram under Yuri underscore Rutman. I'm on Twitter at Yuri underscore Rutman. Um, aside from, uh, you know, train in Chicago PD, I'm, you know, in LA, I'm auditioning for a lot of different things, and I'm also. Um, you know, writing and creating a few other uh, films and TV shows for the TV side. I've got a couple writing and producing partners and we've got some ideas that we're going to be taking to network soon uh, on the film side. I'm basically structuring most of those still as a, you know, independent film in terms of um, sourcing investors and using some of my other background as a venture advisor and entrepreneur to structure the financing for that so maybe uh, financing podcasts maybe one day yeah we could talk about that <laughs> as well <laughs> so yeah so that's that's so, pretty much what my you know new LA adventures are are bringing me
0: well thank you for being here for your persistence for your effort for your creativity and for including uh aspects of emotional and mental health in in what you do uh in educating people and getting their curiosity um and interest up um and for being authentic in that way to, to your past. Um, as always, we have, uh, please follow uh, Mr. Darrell Noel, DMN1 underscore 1 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If they want to come work out with you, Darrell, where are you located?
1: I'm located in uh, in Burbank at the Muscle Farm facility. Um, so if you want to wanna come join me for a workout, they also have jiu-jitsu classes for you. So you can jump in every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, But if you want to join me, send me a direct message, Instagram at DMN underscore one of one.
0: See, I might have to move our podcast date so I can get a jujitsu class. Yeah, every Tuesday and Thursday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Please uh, continue to reach out to us with your interest in coming on the show, uh, your field of high performance and interests you'd like to share with us. We hope to represent and include uh, performance techniques and strategies from many areas of sports um, medicine and entertainment uh, and any other area that uh, we may not be aware of that you are tapped into. Again, Richard Listens on Instagram, Twitter at Richard Listens, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook slash Richard Listens for a blog. You get the theme and we will uh, be releasing our show on Spotify and iTunes and soon in the near future on Vesby TV. You'll be yes, able to sir. download us on your smartphone tv app in your home and live coming at you so and you can even download it later when you get home with a cup of coffee or glass of wine or when you do your what kind of breathing is it
2: uh it's ujjay ujjay breathing breathing. yes
0: rhythmic (laughs) ujjay breathing whatever you know relaxation restorative yoga or yin yoga whatever you're doing um we hope to be there with you uh, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, uh, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash RichardListens or Instagram, Richard Listens. Uh, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me um, through my website, RichardListens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouthguard that is state of the art. These mouthguards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport, football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouthguard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to Injitsu.com slash Listens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash RichardListens. Take care, everyone.